This is the Touchy Subjects Podcast. My name is Erin Billings, and I am your host. On this episode, the touchy subject that we are going to discuss is mental health, and our panel consists of Dr. Jordan Wilson, a pastor from Birmingham, Alabama, Lexi Smith, a trauma-informed consultant and human rights activist, and Amber Green, a licensed mental health counselor. Hope you guys enjoy. Why do you think mental health has become such a hot topic over the past couple of years? Amber, I will start with you. Um, So I think mental health has become more prevalent and more widely talked about simply because um, I really think that the millennial and Gen Z generations have started to be the game changers in that. I think, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was very much so this element of keeping things private and making sure we keep all of our issues at home and that kind of stuff, which only perpetuates the problems that we're having, right? If we don't expose um, the things that we're going through in some way, um, even if it's something like shame or guilt or some sort of trauma, then we can't heal from it properly. We keep it tucked in. We tend to avoid it. We tend to cover it up with other coping skills that aren't healthy. Um, And I think that we just kind of got to a point where we said, you know what, this isn't working. And um, I know personally for me, um, the first time I went to therapy, I was 17 years old and, you know, talking to friends or talking to my mom or whoever wasn't enough. And so it had to become outside forces. And I think people are just getting comfortable with it. And now it's almost like it's become the trendy thing to have a therapist. Um, but it's also the growing thing to have, you know, a therapist or be going to therapy or have some modality of, um, mental health in your life in some sort of way. I also think we have gotten to a place where, um, we're maybe a little bit more open, um, and less judgmental about when people are being open about what they're going through. Um, and I think we're also becoming more sensitive about like not, um, putting a bad label on a real problem, you know, saying, oh, I'm so organized. I'm OCD, you know, that people are taking to heart like, hey, OCD is like a real thing or, oh, they change their mood so fast. They're bipolar. Like bipolar is a real mental health illness that needs to be addressed. So I think people are just in general becoming more aware and we're talking about it more. So that's kind of bringing it to this level of like, let's talk about it. Let's accept it. Let's grow from it. You know, Lexi, what do you think? I think um, a lot of it has to do with social media coming into the picture and people having access to so many other people and being able to commentate and um, I think just hear and consume a lot more than, you know, once previous. And um, I feel like it probably kind of trickled down originally from, you know, honestly, like celebrities having you know, mental health struggles and kind of opening up about that, whether willingly or something happens, you know, and it's very public. And then there's kind of a stirring and people talk about that and start relating to different, you know, parts of their story. And um, I think just over time, people have become more vulnerable and sharing online, sharing their journeys. And there's just this long, you know, continuous, constant stream of people saying, oh, me too. I, I had no idea that that's what I was actually dealing with, that there was a name for it, that there's a solution for it. I don't have to keep living this way. 
or that what I experienced was abusive. And that's why, you know, now I have, I have these issues. Um, and so I think like, yes, there's, there's a degree to which, you know, it's become somewhat of a like trendy thing, but, um, I think there's just been an explosion of, of awareness through social media that has been really beneficial. One thing that I've noticed, even in the last week, there was um, some news that came out about Naomi Osaka, the tennis player, and she dropped out of a major event because she didn't go to their pressers. She got fined like $15,000. And then she was like, you know what? I'm just not going to do this event if it's going to cause this much issues for the organization. And I mean, I just applaud her for having the strength and the boldness to do what she did. Um, and you start to hear more athletes like Kevin Love, um, Dak Prescott from the Dallas Cowboys. There's been several men, and I think that that's opening it up to more men because men, I think, are less likely, and you guys can tell me, but I, I think just as an observation, men are less likely to go to counseling than women. Um, and I think them seeing athletes talking about it, it's opening them up to knowing it's okay for me to go to counseling. It's okay to, for me to be vulnerable and talk about these issues. So that's, that's the one thing that kind of stuck out to me. Um, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. And so I guess my question Let's start with you, Lexi. What what impact has COVID had on mental health and has it affected yeah, I you? Think, I think the isolation has been a real agitator for everybody. I think if you didn't have significant mental health issues and or maybe mild and you could just kind of get by, I think it really put a magnifying glass on, on things that people have been avoiding for a long time. Um, and even brought back around, you know, old stuff that maybe you've made a lot of progress on and overcome. That was kind of the case for me. Um, I found myself in, in coming out of the pandemic, um, really for, for the last, um, year struggling with, um, just over sensory issues. Um, and I haven't had that problem in a long time. I have PTSD and that used to be an issue, um, early on in my journey, but for the most part, I, I don't, you know, I haven't really struggled with that. Um, but definitely have brought out a lot of, um, trauma things for me, uh, having issues sleeping and, um, now trying to like reenter, you know, society, like having, um, social anxieties and stuff. So, um, is a really big traumatic thing that collectively we all went through. And I think, you know, maybe for some people they can just jump right back into normal life and going to you know, bars and parks and, you know, living relatively normally and not feeling panicked and in a mall or a store full of people. Um, but I'm noticing in a lot of my friends um, and just listening online that it's not it's not been easy for people, you know, as excited as we all are to see one another, there's a lot of apprehension and anxiety with that. 
just because at this point, we're at least a year, if not more, for some of us removed from like all physical contact, all like social cues, all that stuff. So I feel like our brains almost like got like dewired from a lot of that stuff. And so it just, it's almost like going back, going to school for the first time, you know, it's like you start kindergarten and you don't know how to talk to anyone or respond and read people. And a lot of people changed a ton during uh, the pandemic, just having a lot of downtime to work on themselves to maybe go to therapy for the first time, to address different things, um, to come to terms with a lot of things like within themselves. And so, yeah, it's just a lot, a lot of change for for everyone to absorb. Um, And honestly, I think the ones that are struggling um, are the ones that are actually like facing it. Um, And I feel like there's like a segment of people that have chosen denial as a way of coping. So, you know, denying that, you know, the virus even is real and exists and lots of other things and just wanting to act like, um, you know, nothing's really real. People are constantly pulling the wool, you know, over your eyes type of thing. And that is a coping mechanism um, that a lot of people are choosing. Um, So I think it's it's been difficult for everyone in different ways. I I agree, Lexi. And I think even your point of like avoidance and denial, like I tell clients all the time, avoidance is a coping skill. It is one that can serve you. And there's times where it's necessary to serve you. However, with all things, avoidance will eventually catch up to you and you're going to have to choose a time to deal with it. And I would 1000% agree that there's a lot of people using avoidance right now because it's too much. It's too heavy. Um, And I think looking at the beginning of the pandemic, it almost felt like we were being set up for the ultimate prank or like, is this the plot of a movie? There's no way that this is actually like a real thing. Like literally I remember watching um, the movie contagion like some years ago when it came out and I was like, this is basically contagion. Like I know how this is about to go down kind of thing. And I'm, grateful that we are not in a contagion level thing with like vaccines and things like that. But it is, it was almost one of those things where it felt unreal. And one of the things I kind of noticed about my existing clients and specifically those dealing with anxiety, that was the calmest I had seen them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it was simply because it was the first time that the worst case scenario was reality. And they're like, I've been preparing for this my whole life. I know exactly what to do, you know, like, and so all the people who were like, I never imagined, or I've, this has never crossed my mind. Those are the people that they came to therapy for the first time, or maybe came back to therapy. And they were like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle myself, you know? Um, and so I think loneliness, like Lexi mentioned, um, was something that, was extremely difficult um, for people to deal with. And I think with some of that loneliness, it created an element of um, kind of dissociating from who they presented themselves as and now being able to come back out potentially as, you know, whoever 2.0. And maybe some of the concern of pandemic ending and lingering into um, the post-pandemic life 
has more to do with, will people accept this new person? You know, so I think we're, I don't think we're out of the woods quite yet. I think we're kind of just getting into the, the really hefty part of it. I think we're going to start seeing um, people maybe having um, this wave of relief and then maybe having this wave of realization of how much has shifted and changed in the last almost 18 months and everything. And I mean, I think right now I'm seeing um, there's some really beautiful things coming out. You know, I think we have shown value of relationships and, um, you know, not just family, but the family we make and that kind of thing. And I think we're seeing value in our own um, self-awareness and self-discovery time. I think we're seeing the value in, you know, social justice and, and some other ways and that kind of thing um, and banding together for a common cause. I think we're seeing good, but I am just very curious as to, you know, in five years, are we all going to have still have warm fuzzies, you know, or is it going to be a matter of, hey, I really went through something tough for a year and a half and I need to figure that out. I need to work through it, you know, because we've also suffered loss and, it's, it's been a tough time, but I think for some, it's also been a very eye-opening and, um, and I hate to use the word productive because I don't think it needed to be productive, but I think maybe internally productive and eye-opening, I think has been the last uh, year and a half. So, so pastor, you, you made perfect time because now my question, why is there a mental health stigma in the church? Well, I believe there's a uh, mental stigma in the church, first of all, because the church is afraid uh, to talk about mental health. They're extremely non-vocal about it. Uh, I've heard terminology and I don't mean to not be spiritual, but I'm a spiritual being as well. But I've heard such things as that people are even demon possessed if they have mental uh, issues. And so the, the truth of the fact of the matter is, is we don't take a holistic approach, body, mind and soul to it. Uh, something that I learned later in my academic training is that um, we're not just spiritual beings, we're mental and physical beings as well. And I think uh, part of the issue is that we simply don't look at even the scripture. There are people in the scriptures that had mental issues. Um, if you look at David, he was hiding in a cave. He was dealing with depression. Uh, we, we know that other people in the Bible also may have had mental uh, issues as well. And uh, so that just gives me some hope that there might be a little bit of hope for me as well as uh, somebody being used by God that, uh, first of all, I, I have a mental illness called clinical depression, and I deal with that quite uh, frequently. I don't share that with everybody because uh, the church thinks you're crazy and some people won't hire you if you if you have that. However, I've been very vocal about it, even from my pulpit, and uh, you'll be surprised how many people have come forward, even my congregation. Hey, Pastor, uh, I'm, I'm dealing with bipolar. I'm, I'm dealing with even a little bit of schizophrenia, which is... Uh, beyond my realm of expertise, but I always recommend to people who um, have professional excellence in that. So that is a little bit of that in a nutshell. I don't know if that answers your question, but there it is. Whoop, there it is. I'll, I'll toss the ball to uh, Lexi. Lexi, you've worked with several churches over the course of your career. Um, 
what do you think, um, why, why do you think that there is a stigma in the church? Um, well, I'll just add to that. I have, you know, attended many churches while really mentally unwell and unstable and hurting. Um, and the solution was always, you know, pretty much just prayer, which, you know, if, if I would have taken that solution, I would not be here today. I would be dead. Um, and I, I feel that honestly, there's, <clears throat> there's a lot of fear around it just because it's not understood and can't be fully explained by, you know, through the Bible, like you have to kind of exit and, and go into some academic realms, which I think for many feels like uh, rejecting of, of the Bible that every, every, all solutions should be able to be able to come from there. Um, however, there is no chapter on, you know, uh, PTSD or anxiety or depression or, you know, uh, all kind like there's <clears throat> illustrations of people dealing with lots of things, I think. Um, but obviously there's no handbook, you know, within there as well. So I think there's some fear around like, you know, it just not being understood and feeling like everything should come from there. And, um, in my experience too, I, I think that there's an element of, we should be able to control everything, um, through faith, you know, like through, through blind belief, we should be able to have this like supernatural power that just shifts and moves things within us, within others, all that. And, and I think there is like, there's a level of truth to those things. However, um, it doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. And it's hard for sure. Um, I think it's hard for people to accept that, that, um, that there's a place for the church and Jesus and prayer and all of that. But there's also a place for mental health professionals and, um, clinical care when necessary. And it doesn't, make you a bad Christian or believer by needing to have that level of care because you've experienced a level of um, evil and violence in this world that we weren't really meant to. For sure. Amber, I want to ask you, um, just in case there's people out there that isn't familiar with the word stigma, what is a stigma? in the mental health realm? So the way that I think it's easiest to describe stigma is a preconceived notion that we maybe continue to perpetuate through our own ways of thinking about um, a specific illness or status or whatever the case may be. Um, and we reconfirm those preconceived notions um, in our experiences by not taking a deeper dive into what they actually could mean. Um, so when we talk about mental health stigma, I think we look at it as an illness. And when we say illness, illness means that there must be a cure. Um, that there also means that there's something wrong with you as opposed to there's just something different. Um, 
And I think when we look at something that's different, then usually there's curiosity and we want to study it. When we say that there's something wrong, we just want to correct it. And I think mental health is not something that we can easily just say, okay, correct it, fix it, stop doing it. Um, Which is why I think there are times where people are more afraid of it because there's not one right answer for every single person. The way I deal with anxiety may be completely different than the way that, you know, someone in a different, you know, setting or a different life circumstance may deal with anxiety. And that's okay. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with us. It means that we're going to deal with that, that um, mental health concern differently. So does anybody have anything to add onto that? I think, I think the only thing I would say to that is like, I think one of the things that the church is sometimes afraid of with mental health or maybe even involving mental health professionals is that um, that the way that it'll be approached doesn't look like um, this idea of healing, you know, that like there's never, there may not be an appointment. I won't say never, there may not be an appointment where you're a point in life where you've just arrived at healing. You know, we think about physical healing, like somebody had a surgery or took a medication or God just miraculously healed their body and they never dealt with it again. And unfortunately, you know, mental health concerns are not always the same way. I can go through a season of life and I can find healing in that season. And then I can reenter another season where that comes back up for me again. And I think that that's, it almost um, speaks to like, again, the concept of I've done something wrong, as opposed to the way that my brain just perceives the world, the way that I interact with situations is just different than how other people may react, react or interact with them. And I, I think that's where we kind of get into some stickier situations with like comments about like, well, you just need to pray about it and that kind of stuff. Or like, you know, if God really wants to take that away from you, then he will. Well, then that puts the responsibility back on you, the person dealing with the mental health issue or concern as, okay, so what am I still not doing right? You know, what do I still need to fix or correct in my life? And that's, that's kind of unfair. Um, and it's kind of like very, um, pompous in a way to think that like, whatever's going on in me, I can just go and turn it off and just be done with it. That's, that's a whole word right there. Right. Uh, Bishop, you got, you got one for me. Uh, Anything to add? Well, I, I would say that, um, the mind is incredibly complicated. First of all, it's incredibly uh, complicated. And uh, I, I'm telling you, I've seen more Christians be pompous tailholes. That's the only way I know how to to say it uh, about the issue. Um, and you're being as, listen, I'm just real. That's that's, that's who I am. Um, people don't like it. They'll get over it one day. Uh, but I want to kind of deal with just a few things that we probably shouldn't say as as a church, if that's okay. There's certain things we probably shouldn't say. Uh, one of those things is that uh, mental illness is a sign of weakness. I've heard this over and over again. You're just a weak person because you have a mental condition, and that's simply not the truth. The reason why we have any type of illness or sickness is because we live in a fallen world. We have no control over it, absolutely zero control over it. 
Yes, God is in control, and I do believe that God can even heal of that. However, I think that healing comes in different forms. Healing comes through uh, seeking wise counsel, seeking people who understand the mind to some extent of what we know, uh, professional counselors, uh, people in that field. Uh, Another thing that um, we we should probably stop saying all the time is uh, just pray that it goes away. It's just going to go away if we pray about it. Uh, If if that's the case, uh, for almost 20 years, uh, my mental issues that I have would have just gone away through prayer. I've prayed about it. Uh, I've asked the Lord to take certain things away from me, and he has not done that. It doesn't make me a bad person. It it doesn't make me uh, stupid or crazy. Uh, It just makes me a human being that is extremely flawed uh, with areas of my life that have not received total healing yet. And I I think that's okay. Um, I I think people just need to stop saying, just pray about it. It'll fix it. Uh, If that's the case, I could pray about everything. And that's uh, not me diminishing the power of prayer. I I have seen people yield of things like that. Um, But in my case, it hasn't been the truth. It has not happened that way. Uh, No matter how much I've prayed about it, my my wife prays for me daily that it would stop. (laughs) Uh, And and it has not stopped. Uh, However, uh, I've learned to take it day by day. Uh, I've Step by step, each day is different for me. Uh, some days I feel like I'm in a cave, and some days I'm on the top of the world. Uh, but I, I met, it's okay to be medicated as well. That's something else people need to hear. Uh, there's a particular chemical my body does not produce. I didn't know that until I was at Lee University. Uh, I was having an interesting time in my life, and uh, I went to a professional counselor who sent me to a psychologist, who sent me to a psychiatrist, who helped me find the right medicine. Uh, to help balance out the chemicals in my body. And ever since then, it's been a lot better. I haven't had the issues that I have. And I think sometimes it's okay to have that conversation. Um, I've heard people, you don't need to talk about it. Well, actually, you probably do need to talk about it. Uh, We at our church have different Celebrate Recovery groups that meet on a regular basis. Some people have substance abuses. Some have issues that are going on psychologically and I think it's so important that they talk about those things. The more we talk about it, um, the more healing actually does take place. And if I don't receive healing on this side of the earth, one day maybe I will be totally healed. So what can Christians do to get rid of the stigma? Lexi, I'm going to start with you. Okay, getting rid of the stigma. I think for one... um, Becoming more educated on different issues is helpful, but I understand, you know, people aren't a psychology nerd, like probably all of us. And so I think even beyond that, just practicing some freaking empathy, (laughs) just practicing some empathy and compassion for people. And rather than offering solutions, when someone talks about their struggle, You just offer them a listening ear and empathy. And I think the difference in what that sounds like is instead of having like that typical response of, um, you know, asking, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Have you done this? Rather saying, wow, that sounds really hard. And I'm so glad that you're talking to me about that. Um, Or tell me more about that. Great responses. Um, Or, you know, if, If someone caught you off guard and all you were hoping for from your question to, hey, how are you, was, I'm good. And, but, you know, they end up getting into their, (laughs) into their mental health, you know, issues being like, 
Um, I'm so glad you feel comfortable enough to tell me about that. Um, I'd love to talk to you more about this later. Let's, let's pick that up later, you know, um, rather than just brushing people off, offering them solutions, um, because it's really dismissive, um, to people's experience and their pain. And, um, that dismissiveness probably has been experienced their, their whole life. And I think anyone that's dealing with mental health, um, is very aware that they are not quote, quote, normal. And, uh, the amount of courage it takes, I think for someone to speak up and say something about it is a lot, a lot more than what people recognize and realize because they know, especially within faith communities, the stigmas that exist and what people are going to think of them, what it might disqualify them from being a part of, um, because they're, you know, battling something mentally and emotionally. So just offering some empathy, um, and you, you know, you might not be able to put yourself in their shoes cause it, you might not be able to relate at all, but it doesn't mean that, um, you can be dismissive or, you know, like a, it's about being a good neighbor, you know, so to speak and showing, showing and extending care in those moments. Okay. Amber, what do you think? So I think as Lexi was saying about like showing empathy and just asking questions, you know, of, you know, offering the affirmation of thank you for sharing that. And also asking questions like, you know, what, what do you need? I think that's what kept coming to my mind is stop assuming that, you know, what they need, stop assuming that it just needs to be a quick and easy, um, like, I'm going to pray this through with you and that's it. You're going to be all set. Um, or that you have an understanding of their um, whatever diagnosis it may be because you had a friend of a friend that went through it and they turned out okay. Like, I think instead turning it to what do you need right now is, is like the number one thing. And the other thing that I like just keep coming back to is like, you know, and I think I mentioned this earlier was like not using mental health disorder or diagnoses lightly um, because I don't think people realize how much damage they're doing when they are saying them at times, you know, something like, um, like I think anxiety can be very real and anxiety can be situational, you know, depression can be very real and depression can be very situational at times too. But I think like when we get into some of the heavier hitters of like, you know, oh, that person is bipolar or oh, they're acting schizophrenic, like you have no idea what it's like to live through, you know, bipolar disorder and going through a manic or depressive episode or a schizophrenic hallucination, like no idea. And nor would any of us ever want to go through something like that willingly. So I think, you know, even in our conversations that we're having, maybe when we're in our community groups and maybe they're more lighthearted conversations, be a little bit more thoughtful behind the words that we're using and like that kind of thing. And I think, I think I especially like say that for the church and Christian communities, because I think we oftentimes have a higher level of expectation that like you should, you know, better. And so therefore you should do better. And I know that that's not always the truth. I think we all know that like not every Christian in every church has everything figured out and therefore they're doing better. But 
I think there's this standard. So it's like, let's start retraining how we phrase things and let's start asking people what they need rather than making an assumption. And, you know, like Lexi said, let's start showing empathy that like, Hey, they must be going through a really hard time. And so that's what we need to focus on rather than this being a matter of, of being dismissive of like, well, I don't know what's going on with them. So I'm just going to throw that person out the window. Yeah. I think, uh, kind of being mindful of our words, we don't really think about the fact that our words, we, we can't retrieve them. We can't pull them back. And our words can do so much damage. Um, I've experienced it. I'm sure everyone has experienced it. And I've also been on the other side of it where it was my words that probably hurt somebody. Um, and so just being mindful and thinking before we speak, I mean, it's, it's, it's all kind of, it all kind of goes hand in hand with empathy. just want to say thank you to our panelists for all of the valuable information that you've shared with us. And I want to say thank you to all of you out there listening to the Touchy Subjects podcast. Make sure you tune in to part two, where we discuss how mental health and the church coexist. Or do they? That's the question we're going to answer. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk Touchy Subjects. Thanks again for listening. Have a good one.